Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of Dogcast Radio. In this show, we hear about the fascinating dog sport of Schutzhund. The, the, the sport of Schutzhund, to give it some context, was invented by the guy that invented the breed. Hmm. Max von Stepanovitz, I hope I've said that correctly, <laughs> to make sure that the German Shepherd in the future was kept true to the dog he wanted it. We also have the Dogcast Radio News and information about National Dog Adoption Month. But before all that, we have an interview with the Canadian dog whisperer, Sue London. Sue has an amazing story to tell about how her dog saved her life and took it in a new direction. It all started, I say it was a real meant to be, um, in 1989, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, mm. and then I was given 30 minutes to live after my intestine burst. Good um, I was pregnant with my second child, and my weight went down to 80 pounds. Mm. At that time, the disease flared up again, and the doctor said, make a choice. Either you make it or the child makes it. And um, then I went through abuse from my childhood uh, until like after my first husband, uh, or I, until my first husband, and I had challenges. Um, I went through a near-death experience, mm. and then I got my health all back. Disease was gone. Um, I had my second child, and then I learned my husband had a girlfriend for 14 years. Mm. So then I went through divorce. Yeah, yeah. So... Now, how, how, obviously, that's a, a huge amount for one person to get through. So right. how did you get through that? It was my little 14-pound do- Shih Tzu dog named Rocky. Aww. He uh, stayed by my side. He gave me unconditional love. He eased my pain. He gave me the strength and courage to keep going. Honestly, I would have to say he was the best medicine for me. Mm. Truly a blessing for me. Yeah. 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 That's my secret, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And uh, sort of, is that a message that you would like to give to other people that you know, they can find this comfort from their animals too? Well, I would just say, um, you know, look at your pet that they came into your life for a reason. And often, and I would say often, but all the time, an animal comes into our life for a reason at the right time when you need them. And for me, Rocky came in just eight months before I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And, you know, animals choose us. They sense what we need and they know better sometimes than what we know. So if you don't have a pet in your life, I really recommend you get one because they are absolutely the best medicine for you. Yeah, in so many ways. I mean, physically mm-hmm. and mentally, isn't it? They're so good for you. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and I know when I'm, when I'm working with people, um, you know, my dogs go into my master children's hospital. This is our, our local children's hospital. And my, my dogs now are, are certified pet therapy dogs. And people will see how healing my dogs are for their kids and they will go out and they'll adopt a dog. Mm. Um, I, I can remember the one story. I was doing a book signing at our um, book. We have a book chain here in Canada called um, uh, Chapters. And I was doing this one event, and this girl came up to me. She was 15 years old, and she came up to me. She said, you know, I saw your flyer. I saw you were coming, and I've really come to you for help. Mm. And so she shared that she had been sexually abused, and she turned to drugs. She turned to alcohol at the age of 10, and now she's 15. She had tried to commit suicide because she just couldn't get those images of what she went through out of her mind. Mm. And so when she came, I had my dog Molly with me. And so I gave Molly to this little girl, and the girl was holding her in that. And so I could see the girl was starting to soften up, and Molly was, was sensing what the girl needed and you know, did her magic with her. And at the time, I'd also invited the local animal shelter from the area to come, bring an animal that was up for adoption. And so people were aware that these animals, you know, there's animals out there to be adopted, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happened to help the little girl to, you know, shift and, you know, get the bad memories out and focus on more of the positive, I got her connected with that local shelter. She started going in and doing volunteering, Mm-hmm. and walking the dogs, cleaning the cages and that, and now that little girl's fine. Wow. And it was the animals that helped her heal through that. So, again, you know, being in the right place at the right time with the right animals, it, you know, sense what the little girl needed. So very rewarding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, as, as I say, like when you know the power of it yourself, 
oh, yeah. what it's done for you. You can empathize with what it's doing for the people that you're working with, can't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you personally what happened when I was pregnant with my second child. Um, that's when my weight went down 80 pounds. And the doctor said to me, you know, you're not going to make it or the child won't make the choice, right? And so, like I said, I fired the doctor, got a new doctor, and I was in the hospital for four months. I had a five-year-old little girl at home. I was terribly missing my dog, and I was starting to become depressed because is this what life is all about, you know, being in a hospital and being sick and, you know, the whole bit. So this doctor knew I had a real love for animals, and I was really missing my dog. And my family told me that my dog was sitting at that front door for four months waiting for me to come back in that door, and he was starting to get depressed. So what happened, they brought him to the hospital, and when the nurse came in and she said, listen, we have a surprise for you out on the, the balcony, because at that time in Canada, and back in 1992, animals weren't looked upon as being therapeutic. Mm. So they weren't recognized to be able to come into hospitals. Yeah. So anyone who had a pet, they had to go outside to see them, right? Mm. So what happened when the nurses thought, well, I had to wait longer for a wheelchair. I thought, no way, I, I want, want to see my dog. <laughs> so I got out of bed and I grabbed my IV pool and then I inched my way to the door and I was clinging on to things because, again, my weight's at 80 pounds, right? So I'm pretty weak. Yeah. And so I got out in the hall. I grabbed the railing for dear life, clutching it. And step by step, you know, I started walking down. I just kept focusing. I'm going to see Rocky. I'm going to see Rocky. And then when I got closer to that glass door and I saw this dog, I cannot tell you the strength that filled my body. It was like so empowering for me. And then when I opened the door, he jumped up in my arms and he was licking my face. (laughs) And I cried and cried. And, you know, two days later I went home and I was completely better. The dog never left my side, and that was 17 years ago now. And every time my daughter has a birthday or, her, you know, her graduation or she just got her license, I cry. It's like yeah. I'm so grateful because I go back to the, that whole story where Rocky helped me. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I can tell you firsthand stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing that that effect they have on us because obviously you know you you have your family around you and you love them dearly but there is something about the fact that this this is another species and it 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 wants to interact with me and there's just such a power and a a, a serenity sometimes in that isn't there oh it is so true i mean i have experienced you know my animal animals giving me unconditional love you know Mm. you can do anything and and i don't say to go out and do anything like that harm thing to your animals but they're always there for you. Yeah. And, you know, I was an only child, so I grew up with a, a little wired hair terrier named Spot because she had a spot on her butt. Mm. <laughs> and so, because I was an only child, she was like my sister. Yeah. So I would share all my stuff with her, my fears, my, you know, my feelings. And when everyone said, you know, oh, do you, are you have brothers and sisters? I would say, yeah, my dog Spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so... They've helped me by easing pain, by giving me the strength and courage to keep going. And, um, yeah, just the, the animals have been truly a gift to me Yeah, in so many ways. Yeah. It, it's funny you saying about sort of 1992, mm-hmm. animals weren't looked at in the, in the same way. You know, they weren't allowed in hospitals. Because I can remember um, 1995, mm-hmm. um, my granddad's brother was in, in hospital. And he was like, although he was a great uncle, he was like an, an uncle to me. Um, and he was in hospital very seriously ill and we knew it was, you know, getting towards the end and Mm. he desperately wanted to see his dog and sort of he had his brother and sister there and his children and, you know, extended family and he desperately wanted to see his dog and at that point it was just impossible because he couldn't have come out. He could have shuffled sort of to the window but that would be about it and I know everybody was sort of thinking, oh, is it going to upset him more because he can't get to the dog and the dog can't come in and it would have given him such comfort and possibly even oh, yeah. enabled the dog to understand what was going on, why dad wasn't there suddenly, you know. Um, yeah. And that was, you know, thinking back to that now is heartbreaking. It, it's, you can't underestimate that, that bond, can you? Well, you know, I've got to tell you this story. Um, we have um, a little dog, actually, he's on the front page of my website, Willie. It's a mm. little black and white shih tzu. And my husband, that I've now been with for 12 years, light of my life, um, he's one of them anyways. Um, he, uh, his grandmother had Alzheimer's disease. Mm. And Ross was really having a hard time going in to see her in his grandma in these final stages. You know, they're at the point where they don't talk. And, yeah. you know, they're like not there, right? 
So I thought, well, we'll take Willie in to the nursing home for Ross's sake, to give him strength and courage to, mm-hmm. to see his grandma like that, right? Yeah. And I had no idea what, what would unfold. Willie was only four months old. Mm-hmm. We took him in, and Ross was hanging on to him, and, and, you know, Willie was cuddling in and playing with him. And all of a sudden, all of these eyes lit up in this nursing home. All mm-hmm. of these people just wanted to, to, to be near this dog. And then when we went in and we got by Grandma, uh, Ross took Willie and put Willie on the tray of Grandma's like wheelchair, you know how there's like a little tray on those chairs? Yeah. And she had her hand up on the tray. And Willie, again, he sensed what she needed. Mm-hmm. And he, t- Willie took his head, put it gently on Grandma's hand, and started licking her. Oh. Now, this is a woman who hadn't spoken in eight months. Mm. We watched how this energy changed her, and, and, and her eyes started to light up, and she actually spoke. Mm-hmm. She said the word puppy. Oh. And... We were all crying. We we were just we just felt like we experienced a a miracle, and it was like maybe two weeks after that she passed away, mm. and that dog gave us such um, a good memory. Um, you know, it, it not only did you know Willie help my husband, but helped us to have this good um, you know memory of Grandma and um, helping her in her final days. So since then, I started then taking Willie into nursing homes, mm. and you know what I find is when the animals go in nursing homes. If, say, a senior can't tell you what they had for supper, mm. you know, they can go back into their childhood and they can tell you, you know, what their dog was like, what the oh. name was, the tricks it did, but they can't remember what they had, you know, for a meal or who came to visit them that day, but they can tell you all about their pets. And you just see this real shift in a nursing home when you take an animal in there. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really glad that in Canada here, it's become more of an awareness that people are seeing how healing animals are. And a lot of the nursing homes and some hospitals, you'll find a resident animal in there. So mm-hmm. with nursing homes, there's often cats, birds, and, and, and somebody will bring their dog in every day. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad to see that that's really changed here in Canada. Yeah, yeah. As you say, I mean, I, again, going back um, maybe 10 years here, um, mm-hmm. my, uh, no, nine years, my granddad was in a nursing home just briefly. Okay. And uh, one of the nurses would bring her dog in. And as you say, the, the faces of the people in there um, light up, you know, and they'd, they'd be delighted because they could sneak it a little bit of biscuit or, you know, just say hello and he'd go and do the rounds. And it yeah. just, it's such a, a highlight for them. It is, it is. And, you know, I mean, I know firsthand from being in the hospital, mm. I would be in there for like four months at a time. Mm. And that was kind of like my dog was part of my normal life. So when that dog would come in, like, you know, you forget when you're away from your pet for so long, you know, that feeling of patting them and them licking you. And some people don't like to be licked. I like it. Yes, <laughs> you know? yeah. But um, the, them cuddling in with you. A lot of people at hospitalized for that length of time really do have a lot of stuff happen with them emotionally when they're away from their pet for that long. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it, it is a very rewarding thing to take your dog in. If... Yeah. if People sort of were thinking, oh, should I, shouldn't I? Um, really, the dog is the one that does most of the work, isn't it? You just have to sort of turn up. Oh, you know what? I, um, I really learned, started learning about all this. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Bernie Siegel. Do you know that name? No, no. In your area? He's a, a well-known um, author. He's out of the uh, United States, Connecticut mm. area. And he's a medical doctor that helps people with disease shift their thinking to going on and improving their life. And I can remember how he, I don't know if I heard about him or heard an interview or something, but at the time when I was going through my stuff, um, I was learning from him about speak what you need, what you want, and how animals were so healing. So it was from him saying about the animals, that's where I really started becoming aware of what Rocky was doing for me. Mm. And so when I got my health all back, I thought, you know what, I have been through a lot and I'm blessed to have my health, have a great life, you know, wonderful husband, healthy children and that. I wanted to give back. Mm. And so I contacted Bernie and I said, listen, you know, I, I don't know how pet therapy works. I don't know what to do. And can you guide me? And I said, I've, as an author now, I've become in the position where I can um, go in and read one of my books to the children. Yeah. And so being him, being a medical doctor, what he would do is when he did his rounds, he had a, um, a rabbit. I, I can't remember the rabbit's name, but he, had, he carried it in his doctor's coat pocket. 
Oh. And he'd go room by room. He'd pull out the rabbit and he'd say to the patient, okay, will you hold Snuggles or whatever the name was while I do your chart? <laughs> and so he was doing pet therapy at every room. And yeah. so I remember him saying to me, it's the animal senses what the person needs. Mm. And basically when you bring a dog in, you're just holding onto that leash, looking pretty and doing nothing else. <laughs> and you know, every experience I've had with doing pet therapy at nursing homes or hospitals, that's what it's been all about. The, yeah. the animals have sensed and uh, they've just done, you know, tricks I didn't know they were capable of doing. Yeah. And, you know, but they've done whatever the child or the senior has needed. Yeah. So. They do read us incredibly well. I mean, my Labrador um, can be very, very boisterous at times, but yeah. he's excellent with children. He just lies down and he's, you know, he's good um, in inverted commas. Um, but again, if it's an, if it's a, an adult, if they are sort of banding up to him, that's, then he's quite, you know, happy to play around. But yeah. if, they are, if he senses they're quite gentle, then he will become quite gentle with them as well. Yeah. Um, I have, are you familiar with dog guides? Do you have dog guides? There? Yeah, we have guide dogs, yeah. He, I do a lot of work with them as well, promoting them and that. Hmm. And I remember I was at this one event, and I just want to go up to every animal. I want to kiss the dogs. I want to mm. cuddle them and pat them and that. So as you know, a working dog, you're not allowed to do that, yeah. right? Because they're on duty. And so I remember this guy, I was talking to him, and he was in a wheelchair, and his situation was that he had epilepsy. Mm. And he had a guide dog because what the dog did would to prepare him for on upcoming seizures. Mm. And I remember we were talking one day, and all of a sudden, in the middle of our conversation, I watched the dog get this different look in his eyes, and all of a sudden, the dog took his head and gently put it on the man's lap. Mm. And I said to the man, like, you know, I was being aware of seeing the personality change. I said, okay, can you tell me what's going on here? And he said, well, he was starting to have some um, little bit of seizures in his legs, and he was feeling them, but the dog was, you know, also sensing them, and he was preparing the man that, you know, this could be an, like a, a big seizure about to come. So that's what, you know, that dog did for that man so that he knew, don't be crossing a street when that's going on. Yeah. You know, be in a safe spot. So it's it's truly amazing, and, and the labs and the retrievers, they're fantastic for that. Yeah. So um, yeah. I could go on for hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know you're you're sort of committed to helping people, you know, and their pets move forward, and and they are very connected in their sort of health and well being in in going forward. So, how do you? Um, what are the way? What are the services? Do you you know other ways? Do you do this with people and their pets? Okay, well, um, I'm a spiritual life coach, so basically, um, what I do with that is, you know, if somebody has issues or, or challenges or that, I help them to shift their, their thoughts. And when somebody comes to me and they have a pet that they they're have an issue with, uh, what happens? An animal will mirror our stuff. So because I'm also a Reiki master mm. and I don't have to have the person or animal in front of me, I can do this all at a distance, like over the phone and that, mm. um, I send Reiki, I do Reiki on the animal. And while I'm doing Reiki on the animal, I'm picking up the owner's stuff. So while I'm working with the animal, I'm coaching the person. Mm. Okay? And then that's where I help them to let go, to release. Um, I had one situation where this woman came to me and she said to me she thinks she had to put her dog down because mm. the dog was just laying around and she said it was strange because it was a young dog. It was a poodle. Hmm. And she said, you know, it, it shouldn't be like this for this age. And I don't know if it has a disease. Can you help me? So right away I started doing Reiki on the animal. And I found, like, because I can also do animal communication, hmm. the animal was telling me that basically it had taken on all of the owner's negative stuff. Because when an animal does pet therapy, it will absorb the patient's stuff, right? Hmm. So, like the dog doing pet therapy, all our pets do pet therapy for us daily, right? They're always yeah. there helping us. So this owner suffered with depression. Mm. And so what was happening, the animal had taken on her stuff. And she hadn't even told me any of this stuff. So when I told her that her dog Buttons basically was feeling her sadness, she just broke down and started crying. Mm. And so that's when I took her through some release processes and helped her to release the emotions she had. And um, 
as I'm working on her, like doing Reiki on the dog and I'm talking to her and, and coaching her through some things, the dog was, um, you know, shifting and it was becoming more like a little puppy again. Aww. She was becoming happy. And long story short, what happened in that situation, this was a woman that was being abused and she was very depressed, felt very unempowered and her dog was sensing it and her dog was taking on her stuff. Mm. So by helping her shift, that helped her dog. And now that woman has gone on to open a a retreat um, in northern Canada for mothers and daughters to help them to prepare uh, to um, repair their relationships. Mm. And the dog is like this lively little puppy. And Aww. this lady um, just recently got published in Doreen Virtue. Are you hmm. Doreen Virtue's in one of Doreen Virtue's uh, books this year. Oh, so she's just had a huge change. So, yeah. um, so I also teach people how to do Reiki on themselves, on their loved ones, and on on their pets. Hmm. And as you know, I'm a radio host, and hmm. soon I'm going to be like I'm starting the steps now of becoming a TV host. Yeah. So all of this is this. Everything that I do is basically to help people create the life that they desire. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm busy. <laughs> you are, yes. Well, the thing is, with, with the speed of modern life and all the, the problems and sort of, you know, the, the financial problems and whatever there is around the world, it, it is a very stressful life nowadays, and we do need help with that. Yeah, well, and you know what? It, it, it all depends on how you look at it. Like, for me, um, I just, I'm so grateful for everything I went through. And I tell people that and they're like, are you crazy? Why, why would you be happy? If, you know, you find out that you nearly died and mm. why would you be, you know, feeling good that your husband had an affair? And I said, you know, if I had been with that man today, I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing, Yeah. you know? And actually my husband I'm with now and, uh, we've been together for, like I said, 12 years how I met him was he was my mentor at Toastmasters who helped me to build my confidence and come out of my shell. Mm. And he always says that he's responsible for helping to Sue London to talk, but now I can't shut her up. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> oh, I think so, he'd get on well with my husband. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he always says, you know, I'm not his wife. I'm his adventure because he never knows what we're going to be doing next. <laughs> I love them. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But you know, I think you know if everyone can be just like watch their cho- their thoughts and choose they want to have a good life. You know, you don't have to have that stress as well. But what everyone chooses, right? Yeah. So you've obviously had some wonderful experiences. Um, just tell us a little bit about your dogs, because uh, you've mentioned Shih Tzus. Are they are they all Shih Tzus or? Well. Um, we we have two Shih Tzus, yeah, and we have a third dog. We don't know what he is. Mm. Uh, he he was a dog that he uh, we got him when he was nine weeks old. What happened? My daughter had adopted him. Uh, she's like her mother. <laughs> she wants to save every animal. Yeah, and yeah. The, she heard of a story of a man in her area that had these puppies. And he was basically going to put them down. He just, his dog got pregnant and Mm. he just didn't want to look after these puppies or care for them. So she ended up um, getting the puppy and she couldn't keep him. So we kept, we took him. And what happened, she got the dog when he was six weeks old. And which again, you know, that you shouldn't leave that young, right? Yeah. Um, So we got him and we were told he was a Shih Tzu. And honestly, I don't know what he is because he, some days he looks like a shepoo. Sometimes he looks like a poodle. Sometimes he looks like a schnauzer. Mm. Uh, but he, I, we call him our little party dog because he's so full of life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you um, you can see him on. Uh, I have a YouTube video I made with Gus. Gus is the puppy, and people swear it's a rag doll because while I was doing the video, he w- was so relaxed from me doing the reiki on him. Mm. So yeah, you can see him on there. If anyone knows what he is, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, I, I love the Shih Tzu um, breed, I, I guess because that's what Rocky was, and I just found him so great for helping me heal, and, you know, with the small dogs, they come on TV with me, um, you know, they, they're easy to take to events with me, they're part of my class, when I teach an animal Reiki class, mm. they're there, part of the class, and people learn how to do the healings on them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I have three now, and I'd like to have a lot more, but my husband keeps saying the word no a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these husbands are pesky, aren't they, sometimes? I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. It's funny, there is, we have a Labrador and we have a Bichon and, um, there is a charm and a cheerfulness and an upbeatness to small dogs. They, there is a magic to them. Yeah. Well, I know when we travel, it's it's so quiet. And we have a king-size bed at home. Mm. And all the dogs are on bed with us. <laughs> and when we travel, we always say, it's the best night's sleep we've ever had. Because, <laughs> you know, we have room yes. in bed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I really, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, I just, I'm... I just, you know, they're part of part of our family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they have issues themselves. And I know when I go uh, travel, I have one dog, Molly, and she's a Shih Tzu. And she gets very emotional when I, I'm away from her, and she won't eat. Mm. So what I have to do is I have to send her a Reiki every time I travel. Mm. And by me doing Reiki on her, she can, because animals are very sensitive, right? So yeah. they can feel when you're, you're giving them energy or sending them something like that. And so when I send her the Reiki, that's when I find out she's been eating. Mm, so yeah. it's, it's, been, it's been great that I have these different tools that, you know, I can do what I do and still be there for all my family and my pets. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It is a worry, isn't it? My my mum had a German Shepherd who pined dreadfully for her. I mean, my Labrador, as long as there's somebody there that will provide fuss and food, yeah. You know, he would like it to be me, but if it's somebody else, hey, he can live with it, you know. Oh, <laughs> <So> yeah. <it's... laughs> I know what you're saying. Like, um, well, I think all my dogs really try to give me a guilt trip when I travel. Mm. I mean, we just got back from Sedona, Arizona, my daughter and I, and the I call him the party dog, Gus, because he's just like a little ball of fire. Mm. Um, just wants to play. He, he got in my luggage. <laughs> he, I was packing it, and, and he's, he's about oh, maybe 20 pounds. And and I have a carry-on. Now, you know carry-on luggages aren't big, right? Yeah. He got into my carry-on bag, and he sat there. <laughs> and then I looked, and here's Molly, the, other, the little sister. She's laying beside my suitcase crying tears. Oh. And I thought, well, aren't you guys good at giving me a guilt trip? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, when, when they're not sure whether they're coming with you or not, and they're quite excited because they might be, and you, you see that go in a split second, this heartbroken expression, and think, oh, you rat bag. <laughs> I know. Well, and they know they don't travel with us because I, I, I'm on flights quite a bit, and I don't, mm. I don't want to take the dogs on the airplane. No, no. And um, so, you know, we have a dog sitter that comes in and stays at our house, mm. and I constantly have to say, you know, I promise I'm coming back, and, yeah. and you know, Cheryl's coming in. You'll be okay. You know, you love her. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um, yeah. so I'm sure people will want to find out more about you. Where can they do that? Sure, they can go to my website. It's asksuelondon.com. Mm-hmm. And there you can also see a link for my radio show. Um, you just click on the radio button and you'll see my radio show there. And um, they can also hear my radio show on iTunes now in podcast. Excellent. So that's Excellent. a growing moment for me with technology. <laughs> Well, you can not only listen to Sue, you can see her now. She'll be on the Canadian channel Pet Network, and her show will also be available, again thanks to good old technology, via her website and through Facebook. Sue's also going to be an internet TV host, and on the Dogcast Radio site, you'll find a link to asksuelondon.com. In 1889, Captain Max von Stefanitz began the standardization of the German Shepherd dog breed. His aims were utility and intelligence. Beauty was a secondary consideration. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Kate. And I'm Nick. A shocking survey in the UK by Glasgow University has found that the majority of dogs are too fat, with 6 out of 10 adult dogs classified as overweight or obese. Researchers found that if dogs were owned by elderly or poorer people, not given enough exercise, fed table scraps or given too many treats, they were more at risk of having weight problems and the risk increased with the age of the dog. 700 dogs took part in the survey, with only 35% being classed as having the ideal body shape, and the full results were published in the Journal of Small Animal Practice. One significant finding was that for each hour of exercise that a dog gets per week, his risk of being obese decreases by 4%. The UK is not unique in facing the problem of overweight dogs, with surveys in France and Australia revealing similar results. 
It's not really surprising that dogs are increasingly getting fatter with more food on offer to them. For example, in the UK, an ice cream van is now offering ice cream exclusively for dogs with flavours such as gammon and chicken. Now there is the news that two pubs are offering Butcher's Pet Care dog food on their menu so Fido can join in with Sunday lunch outings. And then Britain's newest bank, the Metro Bank, revealed they're offering free dog treats to highlight how dog-friendly they are. Meanwhile, in New York, the luxury Essex House Hotel not only offers dogs their own menu, but also a choice of five-star accommodation, with specially adapted teepees and comfortable beds available. The doggy dining experience is enhanced with matching food and water bowls served on special placemats with gift bags of homemade dog treats on offer. How is a dog to resist all that temptation? Well, one dog who certainly weighed too much was Springer Spaniel Samson, who managed to swallow an amazing two pounds of gravel from his owner's garden. When Samson refused to eat, he was taken to the vet, where further investigation revealed the stones in his stomach. They were removed in emergency surgery, ending Samson's weight problem in one go. Racing greyhounds don't usually have weight problems as they get plenty of exercise. But in Victoria, Australia, one group of greyhounds almost got an extra meal, right in the middle of a race. While the dogs were tearing around the track, a hare made the biggest mistake of his life and ran out in front of them. Amazingly, only one greyhound chased after the real-life hare, with the others continuing to pursue the fake one. All bets were off, with around £18,000, that's roughly USA dollars were refunded, and the hare... Well, incredibly, he got completely away from the dog that chased him and even evaded track staff too. Meanwhile, in Florida, USA, it was the dog's turn to run away with the dog-eating alligator at large. Apparently, the alligator in question has been on the loose for two years and is posing a real threat to dogs in the St. Petersburg area. Authorities have authorized an alligator hunt to shoot and kill the animal, but for the moment, local dog owners will have to keep a close eye on their dogs. And finally... It seems that not all dogs are having to avoid the water. On the French Riviera, German shepherd dog Tim has been water skiing with his owner for two years. He rides a full-size board and is towed by a speedboat just like his owner's. And the thrill-loving canine has even had a go at parachuting. And that's all from us on the Dogcast Radio News Desk. Goodbye. In his book, The Intelligence of Dogs, Stanley Corrin ranked the German Shepherd as the third most intelligent breed of dog. Have you heard of Schutzhund? It's a dog sport that combines three different disciplines, tracking, obedience and protection work. We chose a particularly cold and windy day to go and see some of the protection work going on at Leicester Schutzhund Club. The protection work was taking place on a large sports field with a hide, which is a tall, narrow, two-sided teepee, stationed at each corner of the field, with one more halfway along each side. The handler walks down the middle of the field, while the dog sweeps from side to side, checking the hides, until they reach the last hide, where a helper is waiting with a padded sleeve on his arm. The sleeve is key to the protection work, and the dogs bite onto the sleeve. But here's where Schutzhund is misunderstood sometimes. There is no aggression involved. Think of your dog grasping and pulling joyously on a tug toy and you have a picture of what these dogs are doing. Later on, I'll be telling you how I got on when I put that sleeve on and got up close and personal with a gorgeous German Shepherd. I've told you what Schutzhund looks like from an observer's viewpoint. But to find out all about it from an expert handler's point of view, I talked to Stephen Havers. I am the head trainer at the Schutzhund Club. We're a German Shepherd Dog League working dog group branch, one of 23 in the UK. Whereas a year ago there was 13, so Schutzhund's a growing sport in the UK. There's a lot of people setting up clubs under the guidance of the German Shepherd Dog League that are now promoting the sport of Schutzhund. And the key word I use there is sport. Yeah. This yeah. is just fun for dogs. It's a, it's a, it's a all about control and obedience. I must listen to you. It must be safe. It must be a sound temperament. And above all, it must enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see from the dogs we're watching today, the tails are wagging. They are happy. They can't wait to get here and have fun and play that game with the, the helper, can they? They want to get 
to the game so badly they will often ignore <laughs> what the handler wants them to do and that is really the challenge of Schutzen the dog wants to play the game so much that it has to learn the rules that it must obey the handler yeah. to get to play the game yeah. and then once the game's on it's fun yeah. So, what is the aim? What are we wanting the dogs to be doing out there on, on the protection field? On the protection field, the dog... <clears throat> the, the, the sport of Schutzen, to give it some context, was invented by the guy that invented the breed, hmm. Max von Stepanowicz, I hope I've said that correctly, <laughs> <clears throat> to make sure that the German Shepherd in the future was kept true to the dog he wanted it. And he invented the sport of Schutzen, which is a three-discipline sport, sport of tracking, obedience and protection. The purpose of the protection training is to make sure the dog has character, courage yeah. and confidence. Yeah. It was bred to defend and flocks of sheep and, def- and herd them. Yeah. So here we are utilising the protection instinct of the dog that it must defend against a potential threat. Yeah. In the context of Schutzhund, it's purely a game for the dog. The dog is trained to bite a toy. Yeah. The only difference is in Schutzhund, there's a person wearing the toy. Yes, yeah. But it's still a game. Yeah. So the dog is only learning that it must obey the handler to get hold of the toy. It's yeah. no different than playing ball with your dog. Yeah, yeah. Now again... The, the protection aspect is, is misunderstood and misrepresented. We've said it's, you know, it's, it isn't aggression. Um, and the dogs are well-balanced, aren't they? They have to be well-balanced. Anything that involves a dog perceivably biting a human being is always going to be viewed with as an area of distrust and scepticism, and I can understand that completely. Mm. You have, when you see and in its truest form as a sport, when the, the helper throws a sleeve away from himself and the dog goes and picks the sleeve up yeah. that's the evidence that the dog is only interested in the toy yeah. so once people get their heads around the fact yes he's not biting the man yeah. he's biting the toy which yeah. is no different than playing tug with your own dog Absolutely. just that somebody else is playing tug for you Yeah, yeah. and they have to pass a temperament test before they start the phases of Schutzen are very simple. There is a temperament test that almost passed, and the minimum age for that is 15 months old, where it must show it can walk with the handler in distraction and stay focused on the handler. It must also be safe around cars, joggers, bikes. So yeah. the dog must prove that it's of a sound mind yeah. and calm mind. That, before that's hard, isn't it? That, that it, is demanding. It's a difficult thing to do for yeah. a young dog. It, it has to pass that before it can do any Schutzen yeah. training or qualifications. Yeah, yeah. So, you know... It, they really are well-balanced, well-trained dogs. Very well-trained dogs. You can't, com- you can't tell a dog to stop going after a toy if it's not well-trained. No. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. OK, so the protection, they're looking at that we've got the hides, and we've got photos of the hides on, on the website, if you, for people that don't know what I'm on about. We've got the handler in there. Um, we've got the obedience side, mm-hmm. and we've got the temperaments test as part of that, and they've got to pass that, and then they progress. And the other side, the tracking side... Tracking. That's where the dog is, is trained in scent discrimination, that it must follow a track very carefully and very precisely, footprint to footprint. It must find articles in the track. So, again, it's utilising the shepherd's natural instinct to, to track and find things, yeah. but, again, in a controlled and trained environment. So, again, it's another obedience exercise. The dog must learn to track footprint to footprint to indicate an article in the correct manner. Yeah. Yeah, and the more accurate, the more points. So it's all about control, obedience, and the dog having fun. So when he's completed a track successfully, he's rewarded very often a game with his handler with a ball. Yeah, yeah. Now, German Shepherds are perceived as, you know, sharp. Mm. A sharper breed. It's just struck me as we're talking. Anyone that's got a German Shepherd or a Doberman or any of the, you know, the, the breeds or the individuals with the, the temperament that would take to this, you're going to end up with a much happier dog apart from the training aren't you it's going to be a happier dog the biggest issue you have with any dog that is bred for a job if it isn't doing a job it is mentally frustrated which then gives you behavioral problems socialization issues if you give a a dog a job where it occupies its brain makes it think makes it work mentally you'll have a very happy contented dog and the more intelligent the breed or the dog the harder you have to work the dog mentally to make that dog fulfilled and enjoying its life properly. And that is a sport. The sport of Schutzhund is something that can fulfil any dog because you can make it as demanding as you want to make it. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see our Bichon have a go. (laughs) (laughs) So would I. So would I. 
I do know of two or three Jack Russells that have oh. Schutzen degrees. Wow. Yeah. Now I'd like to see that as well. <laughs> if you if you look on YouTube, there is a video yeah. on there. Uh, there's, there's one in particular in America where there's Jack Russell actually comes over a police car. Oh, yeah, wow. and that is entertaining. So yeah, any, it's open to any breed. Yeah. yeah. Any breed with the, the drive and the confidence to come and have a, a play with a game of tug potentially can do Schutzen. Yeah. Brilliant. And tell me about your dogs. You've got three dogs. I have. At the moment, six German Shepherds. Yeah. One who's 14, she's retired. I have an eight-year-old I'm competing with at the weekend. I have three of her children. Um, one female, two males, and another three-year-old male. Yeah. All of which are being trained in Schutzen because it keeps them quiet. Absolutely, keep, keep, yeah. Keeps them quiet, <laughs> keeps them nice and calm around the house because Absolutely. they can come on the field, have some fun, drain off the energy think about what they're doing and they just love it. The dogs we saw participating in Schutzhund certainly did love it. There are videos and photos on the Dogcast Radio site including me wearing the sleeve to have a go at some protection work. Chris Buchanan and his 18-month-old dog Kaiser were right at the start of their Schutzhund career. It's my first time at uh, Leicester Schutzhund Club. Uh, Just come down to try and see what it's like, see the experience here in and I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. So. Jolly good, yeah, yeah. And where did you find out about them? Um, i seen it on the internet, um, yeah. so I looked up for dog obedience lessons, etc, and then I found this on uh, on Google, so uh, yeah. I quite enjoyed what I looked at, so I thought I'd come down and give it a go. Great, great. So what has Kaiser got to have a go at so far today? Uh, so far he's had a, a brief sort of stint at tracking, which yeah. was good, uh, We've started on the basics of obedience mm. and uh, he's possibly going to be having to go at the protection working later yeah. on, but yeah. uh, we'll see how time plays out for that. Yeah, great. So. And what, what other activities have you done anything with him so far? Um, since a pup, he's basically just had uh, normal obedience lessons, yeah. the sort of thing you should do with a pup, and uh, that's it really. Um, the rest is just work I've done with him in, in the house yeah. just to keep him obedient as such. Yeah, so. yeah. And sort of what, what is it about Schutzhund that either appeals to you or you think that Kaiser will enjoy and do well at? The side of it that appeals to me is building up a, a really good bond with your dog. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've obviously, built, since puppy, we've built up a bond together, but when you actually watch some of the more experienced handlers and just how well behaved the dogs are, the bond they've got, that's, what's, that's yeah. what I'm after. I know it will take a bit of time, but that's what I'm after. Yeah, so. yeah. It's lovely because the time that you do spend with your dog, and particularly sort of one-on-one like yeah. this, it really yeah. does build up that yeah, relationship. Yeah, definitely. Um, just playing with him all the time, and that, it, it yeah. does build up a bond. But when you, as I said before, when you look at these and see what they're like, it, it's you kind of puts it into perspective a little bit how far I've got to come. So, <laughs> yeah. so. Seeing those dogs in action certainly was impressive. I'd noticed while watching Clive Jones and his dog Axel that there was something different about the commands he was using. Yes, the dog's bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> now, the commands I've used are in German. Mm-hmm. A lot of people train in English in this country, but you can use any language. Uh, the woman I train with, Henrietta, uses Danish. So, yeah. oh, right. oh, so um, here... I got that. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Revere. Revere is a command, a German command used to search the hides. Uh, the command for the dog to bite is Pucken in German. Uh, sit is Zitz, and down is Platz. And here is here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's okay. basically the commands in German for it. Right. Okay. So we know the commands now. So what was it that you were actually asking the dog to do? At- well, on the video, you saw the dog start at hide three, work to hide four, and then we eventually went on to five and six and put it all together three, four, five, and six. So the dog is learning to search the blinds for a possible assailant who is never in any of the blinds on the day of the trial. He's always in number six. He's not in any of the other hides. Yes. Okay. And then when, when Axel got there, what did he have to do then? Well, essentially, he has to search hides at the level he's working at now, Schutzen 2. He has to search hides 3, 4, and 5. He also has to search hide 6. But when he finds the helper there in hide 6, he does what is called a hold and bark. 
where essentially he has to detain the helper by barking in front of him. Yeah. And eventually, what we didn't show you on the video was that eventually the dog was called out from the helper to my side, and then the helper then tries to make an escape, and then he's detained again by the dog. Right. Okay. Yeah. And all of this, there's no aggression from the dog, is there? The situation is in Schutzhund. The requirement is that you're not allowed to touch your dog. That's in the obedience section or the manwork section. All of the commands, all of the instructions, either visual or verbal. There's no actual physical contact with your dog. So your dog has to be under control. Yeah. So when the dog grabs the sleeve, what, what's, not what's going through his mind, but what does he think he's doing? Well, essentially, the dog is detaining the helper and there are various different drives that are used in training dogs from prey drive to fighting drive to ball drive and at any one of these it's a mixture sometimes one is more dominant than the other and it depends on the individual dog and how that dog is trained under what system it's trained there are various types of system such as positive operand conditioning and negative operand conditioning so depending what is used I cannot give you a specific answer. It depends yeah. on each individual yeah. dog. Yeah. But, I mean, their tails are wagging, aren't they? Oh, yes. No, the, the, this, this is the one they enjoy most. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and much more than obedience and much more than tracking. Yeah. yeah, well, the reward is in itself all that tugging with the sleeve. That's right. That is the excitement. Yeah. 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 The dogs certainly did enjoy their protection work. If you ever get the chance to see some Schutzhund, do go and have a look. But remember, although it looks spectacular... All the dog is doing when he bites that sleeve is basically playing with a tug toy that a human happens to be wearing. It's amazing who you end up talking to if you shove your microphone under enough noses. And this lady, Alison Lawrence, turned out to be a very important figure in the Schutzhund world. Initially, I went to ask her about Jake, the dog I'd seen her working earlier that day. He's actually retired. Yeah. Um, he's seven now, so he's come to the end of his working career. The dog I'm just about to work is his son, yeah. and he's he's a Schutzen three dog, and he's actually oh, competing at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, so you'll be taking part in the trial? Yes. But yeah. I'm not not I'm taking part of the trial with the old dog because yeah. the young dog's been doing the qualifiers for the world championships, oh, right. and I'm actually the team captain for Spain this year. Oh, right. Yeah. So, um, oh, excellent. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're the when you, you're the team captain of. The world championship team. So right. we send a team from, of from six. Great yeah, right. Six That's going to Spain. Six yes. dogs from Great Britain. Yeah, get to compete. So there's a set of qualifying criteria, three qualifying trials. Yeah, and the dogs with the two best scores go forward. Yeah. Um, so that we take six dogs. And they compete over four days. They, they actually work for three days, but they, the the competition's over four days. Yeah. yeah. And there's. 40-odd countries that compete, including Brazil, Argentina, Russia, all yeah. over the world. Oh, right. And it's almost the Olympic for German Shepherds. Yeah. And it's a huge event. There's thousands of people. The, the stadium is in Seville. If yeah. you look on the website, mm. it's WSV 2010. Um, if you look on that, it'll show you exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, Brilliant. Yeah. 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 So I've been doing, involved in it for sort of six years doing the... Yeah. Um, various team captains and whatever, yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent! Yeah. I didn't realise it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's a huge sport abroad. It's, yeah. it's relatively small in this country, but in Germany it's a massive sport, and most of the other countries in the world it is as well. Yeah. 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 So, what aspect of Schutzen does your dog enjoy? best it's a suitability for breeding so the dog enjoys all of it because it's its natural instinct so the dog will naturally track any dog will naturally smell the ground and track so it's only using their natural instincts most dogs want to be obedient and most dogs enjoy playing with something and the sleeve is only an extension of a toy yes yeah. it's not against the man it's for the toy yeah so yeah because as soon as he takes the, the sleeve yeah. off, they just run yeah, you with can, the sleeve. Yeah, you can see the dog's not focused on the man at all. Yeah. He's focused on the sleeve. And it's like having a great big ball yeah. um, and playing with the dog with the ball, really. Yeah. Yeah. So they enjoy it all. Yes, they, they prefer the, the, the protection part of it yeah. because that's exciting. Yeah. But a dog will still enjoy the tracking and still loves the obedience. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the obedience, what's actually involved in that? 
It's um, you have to do heel work, retrieves, um, positions on the move, a stay under gunfire, a send away. So it's quite involved. Yeah. And you're not allowed to touch the dog at all. It's all off the lead. Yeah. And it's all just basically one command and away you go. So you can't talk to the dog. It's a bit like ticket obedience. So Alison will be captaining the British Schutzhund team going to Spain in October. And to find out more about the Schutzhund World Championships, go to www.wusv2010.es, which we have a link to on the Dogcast Radio site. I was lucky enough then to talk to another top Schutzhund handler, Henrietta Bernstead a member of the British World Championship team, and she'd been on the Schutzhund field all afternoon. You've been sort of overseeing things this afternoon. Well, our club is visiting, basically, so I'm overseeing the club members that are coming up from our club because right. a few of our members are coming up to trial next weekend. Yes. So, yeah. so obviously the ones that are from my club I've been overseeing, yes. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been doing Schutzhund? About 15 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you know your stuff? Uh, I, well, yeah, I'm getting yeah. there. Let's put it like that. <laughs> and um, so... Please, do tell me your credentials again, please, because I've, I've already forgotten. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I've been national champion uh, in 2007. I've represented Great Britain in the World Championships uh, four times now. Wow. Um, I've just I won qualifiers in the last four years, obviously, with the last dog, and I've just won the first two qualifiers this year with my new dog. Brilliant, yeah. So, and, and you're off to Spain yes. later this year? Yeah, we may have to do another trial yet, we don't know. Yeah. But if that doesn't come off, yes, I'm already qualified yeah. for Spain. Yeah, and that sounds... That's, Sounds, if you're into Schutzen, that sounds like great. That's oh, the best it place. It's, it is, it is, but it's also scary. But yeah. yes, but no, it is the best place. And it's obviously what we all, but everyone who's very competitive aim to get there. Yeah. That is the optimum goal is to, to make it to the World Championships. Yeah, yeah. So if someone hasn't seen Schutzen, how would you explain Schutzen to well, it depends on which phase you're watching, because they're all very different. The tracking, it's a little bit anorakish. It's a bit like watching dressage horses. You have to know what you're looking at. But if you enjoy it and you know about dogs and the dog's natural ability, the tracking displays it very, very nicely. Mm-hmm. And it, it requires a huge amount of training. The yeah. obedience can obviously be flashy. I like personally to see a very flashy, very driven, very happy, obedient dog yeah. that really enjoys to work with the handler. So obedience can be very exciting from that point of view, because Schutzhund is nice in that it rewards the happy drivey dog yeah. they yeah. want to see the nice picture it's not all about correctness it's about how the dog works yeah. which is very nice and obviously the, the biting bit of it the, the protection bit is a bit of a crowd placer yeah. it's what everyone turns out to watch at the big trials it's as simple as that yeah. because it's fast it's furious it's exciting mm. it's spectacular particularly it when they do the, the chase yes I, I mean I've always wondered why it's not televised because it makes yeah. as good TV as anything yeah. you know it's amazing because yeah. it is very easy for the crowd to follow and it's yeah. very fast yeah. and it's exciting yeah, yeah. Same I, I haven't seen Schutzhund at Crufts or anything. It's... No, no, it's never really. It's not very big in this country. Yeah. But you go to the Worlds last year, the World Championships, there was 46 countries represented. Yeah. 160 dogs. Each country yeah. can maximum send five. And it's getting so big, they're now talking about running over five days. Wow. Because yeah. they just can't accommodate the dogs over four days anymore. At the moment, it's four days. Yeah, yeah. It, it does seem to be catching on the, the it, magical... It is, it's, but it's taking a bit of time. Yeah. In most yeah. of Europe, it's a far, far bigger sport. It's actually yeah. still the biggest dog sport in the world yeah we're just taking a long time to catch up yeah yeah. Do you think as well sometimes that the, the protection aspect of it sort of is misunderstood? Yes, it is definitely. Yeah. It's very much a sport. Yeah. For us, all of us, most people are very security conscious. Most dogs are deliberately trained to be <sighs> sleeve happy. You know, yeah. the, the, it's all about the game for yeah. the sport and it has to be about the sport yeah. and also a lot of people don't understand if they don't see it because you you see the police dogs and they're trained differently and private yeah. security people they're trained differently but for us it has to be about the equipment because it makes a very safe sociable dog yeah. Right? Yeah. and most of the time this dog that's very safe and very sociable makes a good sports dog because he's not bothered about anything yeah. my own dog is a good example my, my national champion two years ago he sleeps on my son's bed every night yeah. you know he's a house dog at home he's nice he's the easiest dog in the house all the neighbours love him they can't believe what he does you yeah. know because he's yeah. the easiest dog in the world to get around with and that's how they should be because yeah. yeah. it's a good stable dog and a good stable dog makes a good sports dog yeah 
Yeah. And also they've got that outlet, not just the physical oh, outlet, so but the outlet. But you can see how they enjoy it. Yeah. It is, as far as the dogs are concerned, it is the best thing. It is yeah. the, it's far more exciting. It's like having a ball that moves, yeah. you know? It's yeah. a self-propelled ball that runs around and fights <laughs> for you. What more could you want? Exactly. Yeah. It's the best thing. Most of the dogs yeah. absolutely adore it. Yeah. And you will see, they will learn as soon as they come a few weeks, they know the turns to the Schutzen Club and they start getting excited oh. in the back of the van and all this. And as soon as you let them out, it's like, yeah, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. Yeah. They all really, really enjoy it. It's the best thing they know, you know, and it's for, it tested all their abilities and this is what they were bred to do. Yeah. And yeah. it's perfect for them. Do check out the video and photos of Schutzund on the Dogcast Radio site. I thoroughly enjoyed the time we spent with the club, and as I said, I had the opportunity to put the protection sleeve on. It's very heavy, and it's basically a rigid tube, which reminded me of sports shin protectors with a padded material cover. At the bottom end of the sleeve is a bar which you grasp with your hand to stop the sleeve falling off your arm. Stephen Havers, who you heard earlier, told me to stand still initially, and then when he gave me the signal, I was to bend my elbow to bring my arm up. The sleeve was so stiff, it took a lot of effort to bend my arm, but I had a few practices without a dog, and I got the hang of it. Then Stephen brought his dog Susie over. She was on lead, and when commanded, she stood in front of me and barked. I have to say, even though I knew she was only going to play with the sleeve, I was quite apprehensive. On Stephen's signal, I bent my arm and Susie bit into the sleeve. If you watch the video, you'll see my surprise at this point, but that's only because she placed her feet on my stomach too, which I wasn't expecting. Within a few seconds, I realised that all she wanted to do was play tug with the sleeve, so I obliged, resisting her pulls and pulling against her. When she'd had adequate reward, Stephen told me to let go. The sleeve slipped from my arm and Susie ran off happily with it gripped between her teeth. She made a few victory circles of Stephen with her tail wagging happily and then she readily released the sleeve on command. The next time, as Susie approached, Stephen told me to let the sleeve slip off my arm and throw it away from me. Susie immediately ignored me and ran straight to the sleeve, proving she had no interest in or aggression against me. She just wanted to play with the sleeve. Indeed, she proceeded to bring the sleeve back to me as she made her victory laps, as if to ask me to put it on and play again. Schutzhund is one of the most interesting dog sports I've explored, and you can find out more at the Leicestershire Schutzhund Club website. And I'd like to thank the club for making us so welcome and sharing with us what their beautiful dogs can do. Next month is National Dog Adoption Month, launched by Dogs Blog and Butcher's Pet Care. Dogsblog.com was set up by Ryan O'Meara, a former professional dog trainer and animal welfare campaigner, and is celebrating the successful rehoming of dog number 10,000, an 11-week-old German Shepherd puppy called Axis. The site acts as a central hub for all homeless dogs in the country, making them visible to potential owners all over the UK who otherwise wouldn't have seen them. Dog owners can browse the site by breed, making it much easier to find a dog that is suitable for them. Dogsblog.com was established to help under-pressure animal shelters and rescue organisations find permanent homes for the growing number of dogs in their care. It is completely free for both the charity seeking to rehome the dog and individuals looking for a pet. With a firm belief that dog owners should be prepared to travel for the right dog rather than simply finding a dog that's local, Dogsblog is keen to ensure that people are committed before they even visit their potential new pet and has a strict policy of not enabling users to search for dogs by location. What would at first glance seem like a barrier to success is actually part of why the service works. Making it difficult for casual browsers or impulse buyers has created a system that weeds out those least suitable for dog ownership. Well, lucky Axis, that 10,000th rehomed dog, has found his forever home. And let's hope National Dog Adoption Month sees many more with a loving new family. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. By phone from the UK, you can contact us on 0121 288 
0922. From the US, you can contact us on our American number, which is 315-849-2022. From any other country, you'll need your international exit code and then 44121-288-0922. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcast radio. That's all one word, dogcast radio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. I've lost my dog. Oh no, why don't you put an advertisement in the newspaper? Don't be silly, he can't read.